for agility's sake. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Kyle Spitzley. With me here today is Luke Neuenheis. How are you, Luke? I'm doing good. How are you, Kyle? I'm doing really well. I'm excited to be here today and thankful to have you on the show. So I'm I'm wondering uh, if you could take a minute and share with the audience kind of what your role is at Amway. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I've been at Amway for about 15 years and have worked in a bunch of different parts of the organization in supply chain, uh, strategy, in IT, and uh, recently about... uh, three or four months ago, I moved into global sales. So I've had the benefit of kind of learning the organization uh, from a number of different angles and lenses and have been involved in, I would say, lots of uh, projects and efforts around really understanding how do we accomplish work at Amway. So this whole topic around agile and introducing new ways to accomplish that has been uh, interesting to me just just basically, right, in terms Mm -hmm. of how do we accomplish work as an organization. But then more specifically, the three years that I had in IT, um, I was new. I didn't, I didn't know the terminology. I didn't understand the process. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, a really good opportunity for kind of this hands-on learning. Yeah. Um, and we had some real experts in the team that were willing to say, hey, let's start from the very beginning and, and kind of explain this to you, understand how it works. And then uh, I think the goal was to make me an advocate yeah. uh, as well. And so, no, Did it work? It did, actually. Okay. Actually, it did. You know, in... <laughs> In general, I think um, it closes some of those gaps uh, around thinking about accomplishing work differently from a conceptual standpoint and then really moving that into a whole bunch of disciplines and and roles and capabilities that make that come to life and make it real. Yeah, to make it real is the hard part. That's it's right. easy to talk about and, and be academic about it, but when the rubber hits the road, that's when it matters. Yeah, and how do you, how do you activate teams to start to work differently? Um, you know, some form of approach or methodology that's been proven or that we can look at from either you know different companies or different industries. Uh, we need that. We need that yeah. to to help people start to get uh, activated around it and continue to grow and get better. So we'll all right. We'll we'll dive right into the first question. So why a does agility matter to you? And to preface that, I want to clarify, I don't mean agile as yeah. a methodology, yep. just agility for an organization. Yeah. Why is that important? No, I think for any organization, but I would say probably for Amway, particularly now, the ability for us to be able to move a little bit more quickly, either from uh, one project to the next or one market to the next or one area of focus to the next. And having uh, agility in, in the way that we work, whether that's within, you know, uh, uh, like a, a project management process or within capabilities, um, things are changing a lot faster probably mm-hmm. than what they were before. Yeah. Uh, by the time we implement something or roll something out, we're already on to the next thing. And having a little bit more visibility or the flexibility to move a little bit faster, mm-hmm. I think is critical. We're having a hard time probably keeping up with with most of the commitments that we have already. Yeah. Most of those commitments are uh, longer than a year in duration. Mm-hmm. And um, being able to just move a little faster, I think, is critical for us. Yeah, when we, we need that um, as an organization to be able to stay competitive, stay relevant, and continue to improve the lives of the ABOs and customers we serve. Right. Yeah. The other the other thing I was thinking about uh, specific to that topic is for our teams and the people that that work on these teams. Mm-hmm. Usually, they see the shift faster than others. Right. So they already may know that either they're working on something that's old 
or it needs to adapt and change. And so I think for creative and, and kind of empowered teams, the rest of the organization has to be able to keep up with them and have a little bit more flexibility and adaptability because I've seen it in a number of occasions where the team already knows, like we're working on the wrong project yeah. um, or yeah. some element of it needs to change. And then to elevate that and surface it and you know get approval to make the change, it's tough to do that. Mm -hmm. And so I think that the broader capacity to be able to flex and, and understand what's going on at the team level um, and do something about it is really kind of the, the crux of this broader organizational agility question. So it's how do I move multiple departments and teams into alignment quickly uh, based on some new learning yeah. um, or adapting and pivoting? Yeah, and it's not, and it's, I would say it's not to create chaos, right? Yeah. And have everybody moving all over the place and yeah. not well organized. Um, it's really to do that in a, in a real intentional way. Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably one of the, the, maybe the misconceptions around agile is um, it's like pure flexibility. Hmm. And in reality, at least what I've seen, is it actually requires uh, a lot more planning yeah. and a lot more discipline. Um, it's on a shorter time frame, yep. and it's a little bit more focused, but the level of effort that has to go into deciding what we do the next time we do something mm -hmm. is, is well beyond most of the other planning uh, yeah. approaches that we've used. Yeah, it's intensive. I think as I've gotten closer to it, I've learned that we actually spend more time in making sure and vetting that what we're about to go do is going to get a result that is positive for the ABO and the customer right. at Amway. Yep. And that is a piece that we uh, haven't historically done in every project. And it's something that requires a lot of discipline and exercise to say, here's what uh, my hypothesis is. Here's the test we did to prove that it works. Here's how we're going to scale that and roll it out to a broader audience. That takes a lot of homework. Yeah. It takes a lot of effort. Exactly. So, all right, moving on to my next question. Um, I think for when I've often thought of this is what's the easiest and simplest way to explain agility or agile to someone outside of an, an IT or a digital space that might not be so familiar with it. So how would you explain to uh, other leaders to, you know, say our CEO or our chief sales officer or chief people officer, how do you explain to them what value agile brings to leaders, to who is senior leader? Yeah, no, I, and I think that's part of what has been beneficial about the approach that we've been taking uh, so far is um, not get too hung up on the uniqueness around terminology, right? Okay. And you get on all this crazy thing around scrum masters and yep. ceremonies and retrospectives. If you actually understand what they are, they're pretty intuitive. Yep. But a lot of people um, don't know exactly what we mean or what teams mean when they're using some of those terms. Yeah. And so I think trying to avoid some of the specifics around terminology, but really understand the intent. And some of the key things that, that should be interesting and attractive um, are really, I would say, for focusing first on customer. And in our case, that's a customer or ABO. Yep. What are their needs? How do we know their needs? And how is that actually influential in the process around deciding what we actually go do? Mm -hmm. um, companies struggle with that. I know we've struggled with that at Amway. And the whole premise of Agile is to put that type of user input and feedback, continuous feedback, directly in the process of helping to make decisions around what we do next. Yeah. That is, that's like a gold mine. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we've struggled with that in the past. How do we get the right feedback? In our case, we get lots of feedback. Um, we get it from leaders. Um, we get it from uh, second hand or third hand as it comes kind of through the organization. 
And so the opportunity is to get that more firsthand and be able to balance that with some of the other things that we're trying to accomplish. Uh, okay. I'd say the other, um, the other critical thing is uh, it really creates a mechanism for more active prioritization on a micro scale, but then also on a macro scale. And so if I think about where, um, you know, some of our projects have struggled in the past or um, even big programs, um, there's a lot going on and there's a lot that ultimately comes to some of those areas that have to support the project, whether that's IT or digital or sales or marketing. Setting up continual persistent teams that have a responsibility to have ongoing delivery and have them actively managing the work that's coming to them. Now you have this whole capability of actually seeing the work that's being requested or being worked on, a mechanism to actually prioritize that on a sprint basis, right, mm -hmm. for short term, yep. but even laddering that up to epics or having broader portfolio teams in place. Yeah. Um, having that capability around real and, and active prioritization is something that I think we're pretty hungry for. And so talking about it in that context with senior leadership as a tool, it doesn't solve everything, right? Yeah. But at least there's a mechanism and a tool to be able to do that. Um, and I would say the other, uh, the other element of this is when done, when done well, we're actually delivering value faster. And you don't have to wait two years or three years for the program or project to be implemented. Um, we're working on that now, and it's going to be released in the next sprint. Mm -hmm. And so that was one of the big advantages I think we had, even with web replacement for the Americas, is there was a lot of concern about building everything right up front. Yeah. Because historically, that was the only way that you accomplished the work. Everything had to be in that initial release. And we tried to convince people that we're going to uh, explore a different way. Yeah. And that we're going to have the ability to have continual releases after that, right? So if it didn't make it into the first one, um, we can make it into the second one, right? If that's the top yeah. priority, it'll make it in. And I think historically that hasn't, we just haven't been able to do that, yeah. right? So the team hasn't been in place, the, the approach or the methodology, the technology hasn't been in place to do that. Um, and so one of the things that the team did an amazing job of is started to issue releases right after launch. Mm. and demonstrate that capability and got on this regular cadence of depending on your sprint cycle, whether it's two weeks or three weeks or four weeks, uh, the next issue is being yeah. resolved or the next feature or functionality is being worked on. And that's where the transformation takes place. And I think for senior leadership to um, actually, you got to see it, right? So yeah. I want to see the, I want to see the proof that that, that, that approach or the methodology works. Right. And now I think we've got some great examples around the organization where you don't have to uh, force everything into that initial yeah. launch. Build the it's whole probably thing. too big. It's probably going to take us a lot longer. going to be a lot more expensive than what we had anticipated. Mm -hmm. If we start to cycle these out, you can start to deliver a lot faster. And so what, what I'm hearing is in this situation, the, the, the organization wasn't yet ready to, to go away from doing a big launch. And so we... You accomplished that. You got the, the big part of the launch in place. But then you've proven that the method of doing this in smaller releases is viable. And we can deliver value frequently. And we're showing that now post-release in right. these feature updates or new enhancements, yeah. whatever you want to call them. Yeah. 
And so that's prove that's the proof in the pudding, right? Or yeah, the, exactly. That's the and proof of no this doubt model. That initial launch was big, yeah, because it was also connected with a replatforming. Mm-hmm. Um, we weren't starting from uh, square one. It wasn't completely new features or functionalities, right? There's an existing, yeah, very large business that people are that's running, running their business. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. All right, so um, that's helpful to understand. Kind of the how do you put this in simple terms? And what I'm taking away is there's is a lot of this is about active prioritization, our ability to to prioritize on what's the best thing for us to do and, and getting input from from various sources to feed that prioritization on what should we do next. That's right. So to move to the kind of the other side of that equation, someone that we get feedback from all the time are our ABOs and customers. What does this mean for an ABO now that we start to deliver things in a, in a more iterative fashion or agile fashion? Yeah, no, it's a good, I think it's a double-edged sword because the, um, you know, it, it introduces a change not only in what they're accustomed to interacting with, whether that's a website or an app um, or features and functionalities, but it's also um, uh, becomes a requirement for that more active engagement in helping us understand what's working and what's not working. Mm. And there has been, I think, a little bit of sentiment in the past, which is, um, you know, it's hard to get Amway to make changes in this space. And we've been asking and we've been suggesting and you know, either we haven't been listened to, which isn't true, right? We do listen, mm-hmm. but yep. we've struggled to, to quickly adapt and, and make some of those. Yeah. And so I think what's in it for them is um, really a, an entirely different set of expectations about how we can now incorporate that feedback or perspective, assuming it's on strategy, right? Assuming it's what yeah. we need to do, but actually deliver those. And so, you know, again, I'll use the example for ANA. Uh, ditto as a as a part of the functionality that was launched was uh, not designed to meet all of the needs for what the ABOs were were using it for, and Gasp. We, didn't, we didn't fully know that right. We didn't yeah. fully appreciate it, um, but with very clear feedback and and um, and very specific you know set of mm-hmm. expectations, uh, we made some adaptations. It's it's maybe not fully uh, aligned yet to what they're hoping uh, it'll, it'll deliver, but it's a lot closer. Hmm. And so that was, uh, I think, a good example of how we were open to the feedback, yep. right? We welcomed it. Uh, we had the right people to engage directly with some of the leaders and, and with some of the ABOs to understand how they're using it and where we didn't quite fully develop the right. capabilities that they needed to, and then go set out and, and try to close those gaps. Yeah. I think that's a great example of where trust in the team to to listen to the feedback and to deliver the value um, incrementally is more important than trust me that I will solve all your problems all at once. Um, that's that's an, ex, an unreal expectation. And if, if as we continue to do more of that and, and include that feedback and, and listen to it and continue to prove that we can deliver the features and the things that are helping the ABOs run their business, we build trust between the, the organization, the ABOs, the customers, even the employees. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, so is there anything that an ABO would, would have to change in terms of their behavior if we're now rolling out features in smaller smaller doses? So I guess where my head goes, where this question's coming from, is in the past we would have a, a big launch of a, a product or a digital, uh, digital experience, and the there'd be a big effort around training on what does this program mean and what does this tool do and how do you use it? Whereas today we're doing a lot smaller of, of changes over time. And so it, it kind of shifts the way that they interact with 
uh, the way that they, um, the way they've got and accustomed to Amway delivering things and teaching them how to use them is is changing. And so, can you speak a little bit to what's that look like or feel like from an yeah, ABO's no. perspective? It's a it's a good point, and I think that's part of that double edged sword. Is uh, we may have the capabilities to issue a new release or address a piece of functionality every three weeks. Right. However, that may be the wrong decision. Um, the amount of training that has to take place, the you know the um, the combined effect of training that we might do or communication that we mm-hmm. might do from company to ABO is also complemented by the communication that they do among their teams mm-hmm. with their leadership groups um, in events and forums that they have. And the, the balancing act there is being able to be responsive to the needs uh, where there is an improvement needed, but also recognizing that we probably have uh, a different dynamic than what uh, a traditional e-commerce company would have um, or a traditional uh, e-business in general. Um, people are using our, our tools and our, and our platforms to run and manage their business, right? Yeah. So think about how disruptive it is when Microsoft issues a, a new release, whether it's with uh, Outlook or yeah. Office, right? Any of the yeah. Office suites, we hate it, right? Yeah. You, you moved all my buttons. I don't, you know, <laughs> the, the things that I got really uh, comfortable with and accustomed to using. Yeah. Um, and so we have, to, we have to strike that right balance so that there is the opportunity to have appropriate change management and communication. Ideally, we're doing this because it's better yeah, but you got to recognize that it's different. Yeah, it can't and be constantly going on that way. That's it's, right. It's hard to keep up with. Um, but I think some of that works itself out in that we're we're changing things in smaller smaller chunks. Yep. So you have a lot smaller of a change. So in this release, it might just be this feature behaves a little bit differently than before. And I, I've just got to tell you that or show you that one time. It's not trying to explain a big program or or technology. Um, and so I think that the problem gets smaller, but the question of how much can we deliver over time is really a question of how much can you know the, the field absorb? How much can people absorb and continue to be focused on doing the right things in their business? Because um, we, we can argue about how many things there are that we should focus on, but there's in terms of being an ABL and being successful, there's a lot of things you can focus on, but there's a handful of them that are really important. And we want to make sure we don't distract from that yeah, and we I continue agree. to build that business. I agree. So with the uh, kind of continuing off of that, when you look at making this transformation inside of the organization, so not necessarily for an ABO or customer, but for the employees and the leaders and team members, what do you see as being the biggest challenge or biggest impediment? I mean, so you're in the sales organization right now, and I want to I use sales as the example because digital and IT, we've, you know, they're familiar with agile. So some of this stuff might be new for sales teams. It is. How? Uh, what's the greatest challenge that we're going to face trying to get the the, org- the teams to, to pivot to a new way of working? Yeah, I guess the thing that I have seen be, I don't want to say the biggest challenge, but the probably the what takes the most time. Yeah, learning curve. To really right? understand is the relationship between the process around how we accomplish work in the future, you know, adhering to agile principles and methodologies, and then the corresponding uh, organizational side of that. Okay. We're still very much in most of our areas uh, oriented around functional areas mm-hmm. and projects. Yep. And what's happened for the most part is someone may generally have that responsibility and they'll pull together a project team and people will be 
uh, kind of part-time assigned to the project team. Yeah. When the project is done, you go back to your old job. Yep. What we're trying to accomplish with this shift towards agile is the team stays together. Hmm. The team doesn't disband when the project is over because what we're really supporting is an ongoing capability that while it should be continually adapted and improved, it doesn't fundamentally go away. So as a team, we support or provide a capability that projects or initiatives can almost consume or flow through, and we will build for those. Exactly. Instead of us leaving the team and going to be assigned somewhere for a year right. on a project. Correct. And so you uh, you start to flow those projects or work, or work yeah. right, to try to avoid the project. You flow the work to the team that already exists. Hmm. And that's still, I think... Um, not not fully understood yeah and i think that's where we are on this transition and the, this journey where uh, something new comes up and it's our kind of our gut reaction let's say, pull together let's pull together team. the project team and the hard thing to do <laughs> is say i have the team exists yeah i have to flow the work to the team now maybe it has to be broken up because the team's structured a little bit differently yeah, and today to, they're probably take, not built for that i have to yeah. take uh pieces and parts of that work and and reallocate that or redistribute it and if you then extend that to how our organizations designed and how our uh, teams of teams designed right you start to bump into well what is you know what is the existing uh, functional orientation and structure that we have and how do we use what we're trying to accomplish with delivering work differently to not only address this prioritization question but also move towards more of a process-based way to accomplish work, right? So all those things start to come together and it becomes, uh, it can become pretty big and pretty hard. And so the, I think the balance that we're trying to strike and I, and I think we're, we're doing a good job at it is still establish those teams that are persistent where the work flows to, but recognize that they're operating in something that's still a little bit different, Mm -hmm. right? We still have annual budgets. We still have annual operating plans. We're still largely organized around functional areas yep. and, and markets. And I think those two have to uh, continue to work together. Um, maybe someday, right, there yep. will be some broader transformation. I don't know. I would I'd, like to I'd like to see that. I would love to see us continue down that path of transformation because, I mean, we can live in an interim state for a while as we're looking at this transition. But I think there are frustrations that come from being a, a stable team or a, a team that is cons- persistent in an organization that still operates in the, the fashion of annual planning and budgeting. And those things get really frustrating for a team that's trying to, to act in a truly agile fashion. Um, so I would love for us to see kind of push through and continue yeah. through and to get to that point where there's broader transformation, where we are doing um, more, um, we have more agility in those those planning cycles and the prioritization things that we're doing. Yeah, and I think that's the challenge where we are right now. And, you know, uh, I would say team, uh, you know, either that's a product owner or uh, a portfolio participant, uh, they're sitting right in between, right? Because they yeah. they probably have a um, a functional uh, title or a functional responsibility, and they're working in this more agile context. And I would say that's the group that's right at this crosshairs of trying to help navigate that, where it's not an obstacle to the team, but also you have to recognize that that's how the rest of the company is working, right? Yeah. We, we have uh, we have processes that um, have served us really well, and they're longstanding. And um, and navigating kind of that in between, 
we're trying to, I think, um, not have everybody wrestle with that. Yeah. Uh, don't burden the team with that um, and, and help to navigate through those. Mm-hmm. So I think the, the word of encouragement is keep going. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Keep, keep providing the feedback and keep continuing to, to improve. Um, so for that, that challenge that we're faced with in kind of being in this middle state um, and having teams change, uh, project-based work the way that we've done things in the past, what can a leader do to help resolve some of those systemic issues? That's a good question. Um, I think having a more awareness of how Agile is seeking to accomplish the work and accomplish those goals using a little bit different approach and knowing enough, right? You got to know enough to yeah. say, you know what, is the thing that either I'm championing or asking for or what's happening within my organization, um, is that also in a spot where we might have some of these teams already uh, formed mm-hmm. and, and functioning? And and I don't want to oversimplify it, but it, it, it becomes uh, a question around, you know, is this something that we need to spin up as a project or are we already at a state where I can leverage the teams that already exist to do that? Even even that- Just ask the question. I think, I think yeah. flips it for people that says, okay, now, um, we're actually endorsing the teams that exist hmm. and trying to flow work to them as opposed to a secondary you know, approach, yep. which is uh, more project-based. And now you have some of those things probably happening in parallel. Mm-hmm. And so I think that would be um, you know, a good first step is, is for leaders who are uh, trying to activate and move some of their stuff forward, whether that's part of a new strategy or part of a, a, you know, a deliverable as part of the AOP is be mindful of the existing methods that are already in place to accomplish some of that right. work. Instead of starting from zero, from scratch or from That's right. zero. That's right. Okay. All right, last question. Um, I think I'll, I'll leave the, I'll leave it open to you and you may have already covered it, but I'm, I'm wondering if there's a common mistake that you're seeing or that you've seen in the past with, with a leader or a team member, what is the most common mistake? when we're trying to go agile? Yeah, I, I think that it may be a common mistake, but I say, I'd also say it's probably the harder thing for, um, for us to fully commit to is the, the idea behind uh, empowered teams and really getting to the point where we're very confident and comfortable in the, the team leadership through a, through a product owner and the capabilities that exist on the team that they know they know their space better than anybody else. Hmm. And and it's again, this is not the Wild West, right? It's not yep. um, everybody is 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 doing their own things. It's very clearly aligned to a, a higher level strategy, yep. which is well understood and endorsed, but the teams are empowered to advance that in a way that we may not have uh, done in the past. And uh, we still have uh, in some cases, more traditional uh, hierarchical approval processes. Yeah. And again, this is not to uh, to go outside of that, but it's to leverage the capabilities and the expertise that the team has fully. Yeah. Because again, I think um, with with the size of the organization we have, the breadth of the things that we get involved in, um, really taking advantage of Agile as a way to also accomplish empowerment from a team standpoint. Yeah. To me, that's the Maybe that's kind of like the last mile, um, and so I don't know that it's a it's a challenge or it's um, 
it's a mistake that others have made. I just think that that we're we're trying to accomplish that mm. in the middle of this as well. Yeah. And so to me, that's the thing that I don't know that we've completely uh, been able uh, to crack in terms of uh, our overall transition. Well, you're making me think of a, um, a section from the book, and you mentioned this earlier, Team of Teams by Stanley McChrystal. And in, in, in this situation, he's the, you know, the head of joint operations in Iraq. This was probably back in 2001 um, but he, or 2002. But he is talking about, you know, he's, he's the leader and his, his direct reports, right, his platoon leaders or whatever the right term is, they'd come to him and say, we want to do an airstrike in this location. And he would always ask the same few questions. And so what he said is I realized after over and over again, because he was up at night, he would sleep during the day, he would hear the sound of boots coming on his, you know, the, the deck to his tent. And he knew, like, oh, here they come. They're going to ask for approval to do an airstrike. Yep. And they'd come in, and they would ask him, we want to do an airstrike here, and th- this is, you know, the situation. And he'd ask the same questions. They'd give him an answer, and he could tell them, like, if these are the answers, then the answer is yes, you right. can do it. Right. And so he said what, what I decided to do was – give those questions to the person who's going to come and ask me for this approval and say, if you can answer these questions and this is the result you get, then yes, do it. And you have my blessing because they're worked, they're working within a, a, they have the freedom or the empowerment to make the decision, but they're working within some confines of what's the vision and what's the goal. That's right. And what, what am I going to get from, from uh, having the conversation? And so for him, he felt like I can empower the team, save myself some time and focus on something else. Yep. And we still accomplish the mission that we set out to. And I always thought that was a good example of, you know, if you've got people coming to you and, and you're always asking the same questions and always making the decision and it's just routine like that, we don't need to have that to be, uh, we don't need to have that situation over and over again. Give the team the freedom to make that call. Yeah, and it's that delicate balance of uh, a clear and uh, well understood strategy or framework yeah. or, um, you know, outline of what we want to accomplish. Yeah. And then inside of that, uh, really trying to empower uh, experts mm-hmm. to, to drive uh, to the right solution. Yeah, and we have a lot of smart people who work here. That's right. I mean, I, I think about that military situation. They're talking about collateral damage and civilian lives and, and you know, people. And we're talking about bits and bytes and, you know, digital experiences. Um, we can obviously get to a place where we're empowering people to make decisions where it might feel a little uncomfortable. If, if you can do that in a situation where people's lives hang in the balance. I think it, yep. it seems obvious. It seems to me like we should be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, uh, anything else you'd like to share with the audience? No, Luke? I think this is uh, uh, good. I appreciate the opportunity to spend time with you and, and talking about these things. Uh, I think we're on the right track. I really do. Good. Um, as I mentioned kind of at the opening with all of the different um, either efforts or programs that I've been involved in that look at how do we accomplish work. Uh, I do think that uh, adopting this as a, as a broader methodology and also uh, orienting that resourcing around these types of roles, I think we're on the right track. Yeah, I good. absolutely do. I'm excited about it. Thank you for your time, Luke. It's been cool. great. Thank you. All right. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review and share it with others. To learn more about Amway's Agile journey, follow the hashtag AmwayAgile on Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn. And if you're an employee, do that and search Amway Agile forward slash in your browser.